everyone. My name is Karo Ahmadi. Uh, I'm a professor, assistant professor of graphic design at Dada Webster, and this is our first uh, episode of Dada Podcast. Uh, today, we are honored to have Dr. Ryan Gregg, uh, previous department chair and professor of art history in Dada department, and we are so, so glad to have him here. Hello, Dr. Ryan, and welcome to this podcast. Hi, Carl. Thanks for having me. Sure. How are you? I'm doing good. How did you start your day so far? Uh, I started my day by grading. Nice. Doing some grading. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Great way to start off the week. Oh, yeah. Mid midterms? Uh, no, just weekly assignments. Oh, okay. Yep. Okay. Great. So, um, for our listeners and also you, yourself, I'm going to just explain that this is not kind of like interview. This is not kind of like a, a question and answer process or something. We are just friendly uh, talk about uh, your life, your academic research, your academic experience and your career outside of university. And, you know, some questions regarding uh, your job and also the academia as well so i think uh, it's just not like an interview okay okay <laughs> okay so dr ryan could you please just uh discuss anything that you think for getting you introduced you know for me and listeners that is necessary just go ahead feel free Okay. Well, um, I am an associate professor of art history, as you said here. We have a major in art history and criticism. Um, I've been at Webster for, I think, about 15 years. Um, my focus in art history is specifically on the Italian Renaissance, mm. um, primarily around uh, the middle of the 16th century. And it has expanded since then into northern areas as well, northern Europe, mm -hmm. um, but about that time. Um, as I said, I've been at Webster for about 15 years, and in that time I started actually as an adjunct, mm -hmm. um, became full-time, um, I think around 2011. Um, you mentioned that I was department chair, so I was department chair the last three years, um, but I'm no longer now that we have a rotating chair, mm -hmm. um, and so I've stepped back into a regular faculty role. Okay, yeah, that's nice. Uh, we are glad that you have you back here. Although I was not here where, when you were <laughs> department chair. Uh, so why art history, you know? What brought you to field of art history? That's a good question. Um, it's a, and it's a long story. There's no specific answer to it. Uh, I've always been interested in art. Mm -hmm. um, and did a lot of studio art when I was much younger and in high school, um, and a lot of painting, actually. Uh, but when I went to college, I was reluctant to go into a field that I thought, from that perspective, from that side of college, that I would be struggling to make money at. Um, I know that's not true now, so I hope you know none of our studio art students <laughs> take that too far. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, you know, that, no, I didn't have anybody to guide me yeah. um, in those choices, and um, so I went to a small liberal arts college, uh, and this is where it gets funny because I decided to major in philosophy as if that was going to bring me any more money or be any more, you know, uh, professional. But anyway, I liked philosophy. So I went into philosophy. Mm -hmm. um, but I decided fairly quickly that I was not really ready to be in college. Um, so I only was at a, it was a, I, I was only there for a semester. Mm -hmm. um, so at a small school out in California called Occidental College. Mm -hmm. um, but I just needed to get my head right. I think so. I, I stepped away and I, I took some time off from school, moved back to St. Louis, and um, was started you know working full time. But I was waiting tables, working in the food industry, and pretty quickly realized that if I didn't go back to college, that's all I was going to be doing for the rest of my life. Yeah. So I um, went to St. Louis Community College for a year. Um, 
took, I think, an art appreciation class there and uh, started to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And I transferred to Washington University um, okay. after a year at St. Louis Community College. And at this point, I had decided that I was going to go into fashion design because I thought that would be a nice way to combine my interests in art and um, finding ways to be creative and have a creative outlet with a career path that might be a little more stable. Mm -hmm. And I liked fashion um, as well. Um, So I went to Washington University for a semester, but I could only afford to take two classes Mm -hmm. and I was working full time and going to school part time. And one of those two classes was an introduction to the history of Western art, basically, survey of Western art. Uh And it was a class of about 300 people, but I sat right up in front and I had a very kind of engaging, gregarious teacher. I can no longer remember his name. Uh I think he was a visiting professor there. Um, But I just really enjoyed it. And it came naturally to me in some ways. we were my art history students now would probably be shocked because a lot of times I get complaints about, you know, like <laughs> having to remember dates and things. Yeah. Um, but uh, at the time, I think I had to memorize for each class or I mean, for each exam, somewhere around 100 to 150 artworks and their artists, the names and the titles and the yeah. dates and the periods and things like that. Um But somehow I was able to do it, and I really excelled in that course, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, And at the same time realized that I was never going to finish school if I just Mm -hmm. kept taking two classes at a time at Wash U. And I was throwing, you know, uh, it just cost me a lot of money. Mm -hmm. I had to take a second semester off to finish paying for that first semester. But in the meantime, I transferred to Truman State University Mm -hmm. and decided to be an art history major because I had been enjoying it so much. Oh, nice. And I thought that way I could I could finish it up in a timely manner, which I did. And I had a great experience. Um, Truman State was amazing, and they had a, a, a great program and two great professors there, um, one of whom really ended up serving as a mentor to me and mm-hmm. you know, ended up moving into Italian Renaissance um, because of that. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Very motivation story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like it was a, it was a long it was a long time. It was a struggle, um, but uh, you know, once I got to Truman and I was focused, mm-hmm. then I really um, excelled in my classes and and was able to 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 succeed. Yeah, that's interesting because you know uh, personally, I kind of had a similar experience with you know like yours. Uh, when I was uh, at Tehran University, fine art, um, I studied like one or two semester, but because of the financial thing, although I was fully assistantship because I was like, a, uh, I got third ranked in those uh, like uh, national exam to enter this university. But still at that time, you know, uh, graphic design was not like this with everything with computer. We use too many materials, expensive materials. Mm. So I worked as like I know waiters in a restaurant and those things. But after like one or two months, that I said, I'm not gonna do that forever. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was very great uh, push pushing for me that pushed me forward to seriously take my career. And although to everything was expensive, but I somehow uh, after that working. Uh, as a waitress in a restaurant that kind of like for me, like it pushed me forward to, hey, that's not what you want to do. And you want to become a graphic designer. Yeah. And that's reminded me as well. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, I don't know. There are times it was a difficult experience. Mm-hmm. At times it was a good one. But overall, it was similar in that it really made me realize what I wanted to focus on. Yes. Um, made me find some choices. And then once I was able to focus on it, really, you know, put my nose to the grindstone mm-hmm. so to speak and and get the job done yeah. and do so in a meaningful manner exactly. you know by the time i got to truman was finishing that degree i had been through so much challenges that um i was able to uh 
put all the work in mm-hmm. that needed that I needed to to really to really make it happen. Which you know, by the time I got to Truman, I still had to work full time and yeah. I was going to school full time. So you know, I, I know we have a lot of our students yeah. here who have to work like that, and I you know understand their struggle firsthand because it was it was hard. And I would walk through the walk through the 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 campus and see students, you know, playing Frisbee and think yeah. like, how in the world do they have time to do that? Because <laughs> I was getting about, you know, three to five hours sleep a night and, you know, juggling work and papers and things like that. But um, but fortunately, you know, Truman was inexpensive and Kirkwood's an inexpensive place to live. So yeah. I made it made it happen. Um, but it was good. By the time I was done, I really needed some time off. So I took off uh, another couple of years from school. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, and went into the working world and started working at the Art Institute of Chicago. Oh, great! So tell us about that experience. Yeah, so um, I was wrap I was wrapping up my graduation. I think, in fact, I'd already graduated and was starting to look at opportunities in the art history world. And I wasn't sure that I wanted to go on to do graduate work mm-hmm. in part because I'd ha- you'd worked so hard through undergrad. Um, I just wasn't sure that I need- wanted to go that route. I did want to do something in the field of art history. Mm-hmm. But if you only have a BA, a-, a Bachelor of Arts, options can be kind of limited. Mm-hmm. Um, there are ways to get your foot in the door and work your way up to a certain level. But you know, BA is only going to take you so far in that world. But um, I gave it a shot. And I ended up getting a job at the Art Institute of Chicago as an assistant in the Department of Asian Art. And oh. specifically, they hired me initially um, to actually transfer their records in the department into onto the computer. You know, this is at a point where, you know, the that trans we were we were at that transition phase of, you know, moving from paper, I guess, to, yeah. to computers. And it was just at the right time where I had gotten enough computer experience from high school and college and having my own computer to move into a, a, a world that had, you know, in part because of lack of funding, just hadn't made that transition yet. And so I was able, that's one of the reasons I got the job is because I had some computer skills, oh, nothing nice. like, you know, compare like what kids, students have today. But, yeah. um, but at the time I could do that. So I was doing, I was doing FileMaker and like making a database basically oh, and cool. transferring records into the database. And so that part was fine. It was a little bit of a chore, mm-hmm. but, um, the great thing about it was I got exposed because of that position. I got exposed to a whole bunch of different areas mm-hmm. of, um, the museum and what happens in that museum. Um, and then the, uh, the head assistant of the department, uh, who's also the assistant to the head curator left for another job. Mm-hmm. And so then I got that job mm-hmm. and that really put me at the center of the department. And the department also at that time happened to be putting on, uh, preparing to put on an exhibition mm-hmm. of Taoist art. And it was the first exhibition of Taoist art in a major museum in um, in uh, the United States, I believe. Um, I think that there were probably others that I'm not aware of, but I think that was the first one at a major museum anyway. Um, but uh, that allowed me to really get a sense of everything that a curator did and that a department did in terms of putting together an exhibition and working with donors and working with their own collection. I would be called, you know, we, the Department of Asian Art, Art Institute is quite large, um, and they, at the time, I don't, I don't know now, but at the time they had two or three handlers, people who would move the art and hang it. Um, they had maybe five or six curators, I can't remember exactly, oh. um, for areas they, they had covered everything from Indian art to Japanese to Chinese to Korean, you know, just the whole kind of gamut. So they had a number of curators working in these areas, um, but the, you know occasionally they would call me and uh, you know help with something or another. Whether it was you know gr- uh, uh, groups coming in to look at Japanese prints mm-hmm. or you know give a t- I, mean, I wasn't giving any tours, but yeah. I would help and go along. Um, and it was great because I hadn't had any Asian art experience. That was in fact one of the reasons they mm-hmm. they had hired me at the time. 
they liked that I didn't have any Asian art background and didn't have any interest in moving in that because it was not a position that I was really going to move into curatorial work. Correct. So um, they didn't, you know, they, they liked that I wasn't going to have that ambition and end up being frustrated, basically. Yeah. Um, but the great thing about it was then I learned so much about mm -hmm. it, right? So I was learning about museum work. I was learning about Asian art in a lot of ways um, and really came to enjoy it and appreciate it. I just hadn't been exposed. So it's mm -hmm. a great example of just, you know, how exposure can really help turn you on to something. Right. Um, and I've loved a lot of different uh, areas of, of Asian art uh, ever since. Um, I was there for two years, and after being there for about a year or so, I decided it was time. I was ready to go back to graduate school. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't sure that I wanted to jump into PhD work, so I only looked at master's programs because mm -hmm. um, I thought I could commit to two years and see how that goes. Um, but while I was working at the Art Institute, I also came to realize that I, that museum work was not really for me. Mm -hmm. um, I had thought I wanted to go into museum work and be a curator. Uh, I really love working with objects um, firsthand, and that's one of the great opportunities and, and experiences that you get to have when you're a curator. Mm -hmm. um, but there are a lot of other things that were, were not really for me in the way that I I wanted to pursue a career. Um, in a in a museum, you as a curator, you focus a lot on the collection that the museum has, mm -hmm. right? Um, and arranging it, documenting it, exhibiting it, making sure it's uh, available and accessible and to to the public. Okay. Um, building that collection, working with donors to help build that collection, you do get to. It depends on the museum, of course, but mm -hmm. you do get to put together scholarly exhibitions and you know borrow works from other places and so on. So there is definitely lots of opportunity for intellectual um, creativity outside of the defined collection of the museum. Oh. But a lot of that work is is with just those objects, um, and I tended to gravitate more towards mm -hmm. work that was broader in scope or maybe not the type of materials that could go into collections like fresco paintings. I liked fresco work mm -hmm. of Italian Renaissance a lot, works that tended to be much more disparate. Mm -hmm. um, so I was willing to give up that sort of firsthand experience that curators yeah. get to have um, in favor of what I found to be a little more free, uh, freeing in t to, to, to pursue my own scholarly and intellectual pursuits. So, you know, some, it's some of that, you know, some people love that kind of thing. And yeah, I think, I know. I think it's great. It's just, it just, it wasn't for me. Yeah. Um, so I went back to get my master's and I went to Virginia Commonwealth University. Mm -hmm. It's in Richmond. Um, and uh, had a great mentor there, a number of great professors. In fact, a few different few different mentors, one uh, in the Renaissance area, another who taught 19th century. Um, Freddie Jacobs was in the Renaissance. Charles Brownell did 19th century uh, kind of American architecture and decorative arts, but was very helpful to me mm -hmm. in kind of thinking about a career. Um, and along the lines, I decided that I would, yes, go on to make the commitment to pursue a PhD. Um, and so I applied to a number of places and ended up going to Johns Hopkins University oh. um, and, and, uh, and did that. So then I was there for five years. Um, yeah, <laughs> five years. I had, I, had, <laughs> I had to do a year of coursework and then... Um, a semester. I don't. I don't know what your PhD was like, but if you came in with a master's at Hopkins, you do a year of coursework, and then you do a semester of exams. Uh -huh. And so for the whole semester, you're just reading everything and anything you can get your hands on. I had a bibliography of some ridiculous amount of of stuff that I had to read and get through. Um, and then at the end of the semester, you have your, uh, both a major and minor exams. Mm -hmm. So I did my major in Renaissance, my minor in Baroque. And then you do written and oral in both of those. So you have to answer a whole bunch of questions and like wow. write essays 
for both major and minor. And then you go in and sit in front of a panel with your professors and defend all of that. And they ask you more questions. And (laughs) it's probably like the scariest thing you do up until that point. I know. Uh, (laughs) It's really intense. Um, But I had all my other, you know, fellow students in the audience and, you know, wishing good thoughts and so and so it did that and then um in my field in in the italian renaissance at hopkins they had a villa at the time in florence and so the what you would do then after you did your majors you'd go for a semester to this villa it was called the villa spellman and they'd uh you'd spend a semester in florence um you'd take a class you'd Go up to the villa once a week for a seminar, uh, and they'd bring in art histor- art historians who are already in Florence to mm-hmm. give a talk. So it was a bit like a class, but a little more informal. And you're meeting a lot of art, histor- art historians in the field and in the area, and you also basically you're there to start doing the research to to for your dissertation. Oh, sounds interesting. Yeah, it was great. It was <laughs> yeah. amazing. It's amazing. So I got to live in Florence for uh, five or six months at uh-huh. that point. Um, unfortunately, a couple of years later, the university ended up having to sell the villa because it needed a significant amount of uh, up, uh, um, renovation work oh, uh, and money was too tight to do it. So they don't have that anymore. I think they have a different way to send students to Florence now. But the villa was a really special opportunity. So that was cool. Um, and then I spent another three years doing my dissertation. Oh. Yeah. Jesus, I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it was it was a lot. Yeah. 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 Well, that's a good story. Um, <laughs> so with all being said, you know, you're working uh, in industry and also working in academia and also being a PhD. Uh, which do you prefer right now? If I ask you, would you like to stay in academia or if you get a chance or anything that you will go back to industry? Yeah. Um, well, I I love academia mm-hmm. um, for a number of reasons, and that's not you know it's it's not perfect, but I don't think any any professional field is perfect. I mean, there's every, everything's going to have yeah, that's upsides correct. and downsides. Yeah. Um, you just kind of got to balance, you know, what's what's good for you and how much you're willing to put up with. Um, but overall, I love it. I mean, there's there's a lot of great things about it. Um, the other thing when I was working at the Art Institute, what I ended up realizing that I love to do mm-hmm. was telling people about the art. And so that was really why I ended up going back to school okay. is that I was I wouldn't give, you know, tours to professionals, but I would have friends or family, you know, or, or some uh, someone that I knew come through and I'd tell them, you know, about different artworks and, mm-hmm. you know, see them kind of really get excited about it and come to an understanding. And I thought that was that was really interesting to me. So that's that's why I ended up going back to school ultimately and making my way into so academia. That's what something led you back to academia. Exactly. And that's I, I still enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Um, I still, you know, enjoy really working with the students and um uh, whether they're art history students or not, you know, and helping them realize, you know, even if it comes a year later and I get an email from somebody that says, hey, I was, you know, in New York and I went to this museum and I yeah. could understand what, <laughs> I could finally understand what was going on. Yeah. You know, so I, I, I like that. Um, academia has a lot of benefits, you know, to yeah, actually, too, yeah, right? I, I was uh, going to ask you that, uh, what are the cons and pros? Pros and cons yeah. of it, yeah. Uh, the pros really are the um, flexibility, I think, uh-huh. in in t- time. I mean, um, you know, I, I don't have to – it's not a nine-to-five job. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there are pros and cons to that. I mean, you know, as you know, you yeah. have to do some work on the weekends or yes. in the evening. Some, you have to bring your home work home with you a lot of exactly. times, right? Um, but you also not you're not punching a clock, and mm-hmm. I really appreciate that. Um, it's a very supportive atmosphere. Most uh, colleges, I think, are uh, Webster is wonderful in terms of the support it gives us for research and travel. And so that's um, that's not. I don't know if it's typical or, or so of academia as a, as a whole, but it's not everywhere, yeah. right? Um, so Webster's a little unique in that, and that's one of the things that I love working at Webster is how much support they give us faculty mm-hmm. 
to pursue our research, um, to travel in the pursuit of that research, and ult that ultimately allows us to bring it back to our yeah. students, right? So I'm doing research all the time, and I, I love doing research. I'm a little bit Same of here. a yeah. yeah. I'm a little I'm a little bit of a like. You know, I, I would sit in my office all day and like read and write, you know, yeah. and, and that's kind of what I'm doing a lot right, <laughs> right now. Um, but the beautiful thing about that then is that I get to bring it to my students too, right? So um, as I was working on, I've been working on sculpture a lot mm -hmm. and thinking about its materiality and um, tactility and, uh, and how do you in interact and engage with it. And that led me to think about... Um, how to present that material to our students, especially our studio students, mm -hmm. um, and come up with a class uh, that could think about objecthood and materials and um, engagement and perceptions in different ways than beyond just walking into a museum mm -hmm. and having this um, kind of visual experience that there, there are other ways to think about that. So uh, Webster's really great in that, and that's mm -hmm. one of the things I like. Now, there are some cons. I, I can't say I love grading. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, it, it's it's fine, but, yeah. you know, it's it's one of the chores yeah. sometimes <laughs> that has to be done. Um, and there's a lot of bureaucracy mm -hmm. that goes with it. And I think this, this goes with any institution. Yeah. You know, it's not exclusive to academia, but there's a lot of bureaucracy forms that need to be filled out and... Um, committee's work that has to be done yeah. and management of a department and things. And these all take a lot of time. I always say that I that in academia is a, a strange industry in that it's sort of like having three or maybe even sometimes four jobs at the same time. Yeah. Right. Because you have exactly. to do your research and your professional development stuff. You teach your classes. Yes. So you're a teacher. And then you also have to do all that committee work and, and stuff to support the department and support the university. Yep. Um, which can be rewarding as you, you know, make uh, relationships across the university. Yep. Ultimately, that can support your department and your students as well. But it's also, you know, it's almost sometimes it feels like a third job. Honestly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. I feel so that it all too. takes a lot of time. <laughs> but it, but that time is flexible. And I got to say, I mean, that's, that's like probably that my biggest thing, especially exactly. raising kids. It has helped out a lot. Um, but also... You know, not having to deal with, you know, every Monday through Friday, traffic exactly. in the morning and rush hour. Eight and, to five. Exactly. <laughs> so that's, that's been great. Yeah, actually, I agree with that, too. So one thing that you mentioned was uh, bringing the research into the classroom, you mm. know, involves students. I think that's something that's really appreciated. Uh, I personally believe that, you know, research should not just be... Uh, on Google Scholar and, you know, JSTOR and those things. Research needs to be involving, needs to be some somehow let the students to engage with that research. And I think that's a good thing because personally, I like to do that. And uh, the recent research that I'm going to conduct and I just uh, had a consultation with Tate, maybe together we would like to do that is... Um, we are trying to investigate the uh, effects of chat GTP and mm. AI in the future of curriculum of design and art students mm. and to see how it can be effective, not only for students, but also for us faculties, mm. how we can use that in a positive way. Because as you can know, uh, AI and chat, something like chat GTP, like mid-journey, these kind of platforms that they can generate art is not something very you know, good for future of art and design. Uh, so the investigation that I try to use with uh, and also involving students is to see how we can prevent the negative parts to not join the curriculum of our department, other departments you know, around the globe, but also students can somehow use these AI, these new platforms to, you know, make art, make designs. So, as you said, I think uh, this kind of research that students are involved and they can, you know, uh, at the same time that we are writing the research, they are involving and they are experiencing that. I think that's something very valuable. Mm -hmm. And I like that too. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Uh, in 
my own research, it's not quite as easy to make, get the students involved I know. in what <laughs> I do. Unfortunately, now, you know, sometimes it works like that for art history, but uh -huh. usually in in universities that have a bigger art history department than, mm -hmm. than ours. Um, but a lot of my, all my work is like a sculpture that's over in Italy yeah. or um, city views. I work with a lot with city views. Yeah. And it's all over in the Netherlands. So it's hard to involved get students in, yeah. involved in that. But what I, what I do then is try to bring that to them in the classes and, and, you know, sometimes it, sometimes it works well. Great. So if students, they ask you about what uh, careers and path they can choose when hmm. they you know, uh, are in art history major, what do you suggest them? What's... Yeah, so there's traditionally two primary paths, mm -hmm. right? And I've already mentioned both of them, museum work or academia, teaching mm -hmm. in, a, in a university setting. Um, now there's a variety of ways that you know and different roles that one can play in those the two most traditional of course and the two that most students know of mm -hmm. are a curator in a museum or a professor like me in a in a college setting mm -hmm. um both of those are um a challenging path to 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 get to and achieve especially mm -hmm. today they both require phds mm -hmm. um they both have a lot of competition. Mm -hmm. um, the, there's few openings yeah. and a lot of students who, and a lot of people who want those jobs. Um, now that, that being said, there's a wide variety of types of museums mm -hmm. um, in which students can find themselves in, anything from major city museums to small local maybe historic home historic homes or historic collections mm -hmm. um, and so there's there's kind of a wide gamut there and the same goes for universities right there's a whole yeah, bunch of right. different types of universities but even within those in a museum for instance there's a variety of different uh, um, uh, positions that are suitable and for, for an art history student mm -hmm. um, a registrar um, who kind of does the uh, management of the collection sort of behind the scenes, so to speak. Oh, I see. Um, you know, they're managing what's going in and out and what's actually in the collection mm -hmm. and, and, and so on. Um, uh, art education. Mm -hmm. Not like art education like we offer at the university, which is geared towards teaching students to go into a high school or an elementary school and teach art. Okay. But in a museum, it's more about educating the public, right? How do how do they take the works in the museum and make those more accessible oh, to the okay. students? So in a lot of ways, it's a little bit more like what I'm doing, mm -hmm. but in a, but without the credentialing aspect. Okay. Um, in a, <clears throat> there are other areas too that they can go into that art history can set themselves, set them up for. Mm -hmm. I mean, art history as a discipline is kind of great in the sense that it's it adds a solid foundation for just about anything that a student is could go on to do because it's so interdisciplinary in nature. Yeah. It's bringing in all these other fields um, that one has to kind of get a sense of in order to apply to understanding art because art is kind of so um, informed by different cultural and social practices. Yes. Right, so you're learning about things like philosophy and religion and science and math and whatever might go into that. Be, yeah. um, and so that can that can be good and kind of teach them critical thinking in terms of interpreting art. Mm -hmm. That critical thinking can and anal analysis can be applied to other things. It gets you really good at looking at details, okay. and one has to balance, you know, be able to kind of balance and keep in their mind a lot of details, but then be able to build those details mm -hmm. into kind of a holistic view oh, that's good. so that can be a good um, tool for students um, but there are other areas you know that like art law uh, uh, students want to go go on to be a lawyer that that can kind of give them a solid foundation for that um, I had another one in mind but I forgot <laughs> oh a lot of our students actually have ended up in library sciences oh. um, and I think that's because you know so much of it is about research Mm -hmm. um, you spend a lot of time in the libraries, you spend a lot of time reading the books, yeah. and some students find themselves kind of drawn 
to the actual kind of management of the libraries. It's it's still collection, right? And it's still kind of management of objects, but it's also kind of about making the information more accessible. So in some ways, so some similar skills there. So there are a lot of uh, avenues they can. A lot of different avenues, a lot of different avenues. And what uh, skills, interests, and values that are important to person, student that they need to have or at least achieve, you know, during these their the years that they are in college, yeah, to become a successful artist or yeah, yeah, um, that's a good question. Uh, I would say, I mean, you you have to be in some way at least like. Uh, uh, already interested in well art obviously but but um, some of the, some of these kind of cultural and, and social phenomenons and the ways in which mm-hmm. um, those things those things work um, but the rest of the skills I think can be learned right so it's not yeah. like a single you know one type of person can be an art historian exactly um, yeah. I think it helps if you're detail oriented mm-hmm. um, right because you got to remember the details from your sources that you're reading, but also look very carefully and closely in details in the artworks themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you have to be able to put those details together into the bigger picture in the same way that details of a composition of a painting, for instance, or the different details of a paint stroke build build into a larger painting. Yeah. You know, an, uh, an art historian has to take all these different details, both the observed ones that they're seeing in the artwork, but also the various details of their research and their mm-hmm. information. And out of that, build a bigger picture and of the analysis of, of what that artwork means um, or is doing and, it, and how it applies to you know, some of these, some social movements or cultural movements or whatever your argument may be. Okay. Um, so details, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be, be willing and learn how to dig deeply. Yeah. It's, it's hard work. I think, you know, it probably looks to some people like, you know, you just kind of jaunt around and you stand in front of it, you stand in a museum and cross your arms and, you know, look thoughtfully at stuff, (laughs) sit in your office maybe. But um, it's a lot of work. It takes a lot of legwork. That legwork's becoming easier with the internet. I'm fine. You know, I find stuff on the internet now all the time, which is amazing. I'm reading like 15th century and 16th century texts on the internet all the time now Uh that 10 years ago you would have had to travel to Florence or, you know, to Europe for. Yes, exactly. So that's wonderful. So it saved some of that expense and like time, (laughs) but it's still, I mean, you still just, it's a lot of digging. Mm -hmm. And I like to think about it like, you know, and I suppose I romanticize it a little bit to myself, but I like to think about it like a treasure hunt, you know, like, um, like I've got these little treasures that I'm trying to unearth and and uncover. And sometimes, you know, you, you get these little nuggets of information. You're like, aha, this is how this all goes together. (laughs) I I almost never get the smoking gun, right? I mean, that, you know, that just doesn't exist. Like in the, in the Renaissance, almost never is there somebody say, writing down like, this is why I made this work. And this is what this is about. And, you know, that just doesn't happen. But um, you do get these wonderful aha moments as you're like reading through a text and you find a couple lines maybe that signal to you something or another that's going on. And I think and that's all great. that's return back to how much you are passionate about your, you know, career. And yeah. I think you as a like, uh, researcher, as an art historian and also educator, I think you have that passion that, you know, that thrives you to do your research, yeah. digging, find those information, those aha moments that I think that's really joyful. I think students, if they uh, find their love in in any art, no particular field which they want to do, I think that aha moment, it's worth more than $1 million. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Personally, I, I won't it is great. that. It yeah. is great. It is a lot of fun. And, you know, like I, I have some fun moments. And especially when, um, I mean, sometimes I am doing actual legwork, like, you uh-huh. know, going, traveling around, going into small churches mm-hmm. that are way off the beaten path. Or um, I spend a lot of time in fortresses, Renaissance fortresses, military oh, nice. architecture because of the ways in which it 
ties in with the pick images of cities that I'm dealing with. Mm -hmm. And that's when I really feel like I'm doing a treasure hunt, right? Because they're <laughs> dirty and and wet and like you're crawling, you're not literally crawling, but yeah. you're kind of exploring through <laughs> exactly. things. So that's, that's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, then you kind of see a work that you know, hasn't had a whole lot of attention and mm -hmm. has, you know, maybe hardly even been published. And that's when you really feel like something special when you're looking at a, a 16th century sculpture in this tiny little church um, that's way off the beaten path. And maybe it's been published once or twice, yeah. but, you know, you're looking at it firsthand and hardly anybody has really spent time examining it in mm -hmm. that same way. You spend, you know, I'll spend like a good hour at least or so if not more, looking at it. I'm usually I'm spending more time than the person has who's yeah. with me to to give me, um, and uh, that that really you know gets the juices flowing, so to speak, and and keeps me moving. You know, speaking of like some other things that a stu that that help for a stu person to be an art historian, uh, writing fellowships. So you have to know how to write. I mean, yeah. that's just like key, key one, the first thing. You have yeah. to know how to write. You have to learn how to give um, public performances because mm -hmm. you give a lot of papers in art history. Um, I was terrible at doing uh, speaking publicly, <laughs> so it's something I had to learn over time. I mean, I just I was it made me really nervous and anxious, and I don't know if I'm good now or not. Yeah, but you are but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I've done it a lot, and teaching helps with that too. Yeah, um, but you have to be able to give public. Uh, public, um, yeah, sh papers. Um, you have to uh, write a lot for fellowships and grants. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of academic fields are like that, right? But you have to, it's a very specific type of writing. Yeah. Some people are m more successful at it than I am. I get some fellowships, but not all, I mean, nobody gets all of them that they apply for. Right? I know. Um, but you just got to keep applying for them. And that's the, that's probably the last thing I would say is that in art history, somebody needs to, a, a skill they need to have is be able to accept rejection. Yeah, Because exactly. you get a lot of no's, you know, whether it's accept, you know, submitting articles for journals mm -hmm. to publish or books or applying for grants um, or opportunities. You probably get... Oh, I don't. I couldn't even say <laughs> ten, twenty, maybe even fifty no's for every one. Yeah. Yes. Um, and it depends on the area that you're working in, I guess. But uh, <laughs> but <clears throat> yeah, you get a lot of no's, so you have so, to be able to be okay with that. Yeah, I accept that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, regarding the uh, the academia, are there any courses or activities uh, students should get involved in? What you know uh, would be particularly beneficial for them. Hmm. Um, so to, in order to go on to do art history, you mean? Oh, uh, like what just, courses or experiences? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. Well, apart from, let's say if a person is going to be an art history major, okay. uh, apart from their required art history courses, mm -hmm. of course, uh, um, I would say there are a few things that I think are generally beneficial. One is um, some studio courses. Mm -hmm. uh, in our department, we require a few. Most do, but I don't know about all. Um, but I tend to think some drawing mm -hmm. helps uh, because that helps you really see the details mm -hmm. and the choices, especially if you spend some time drawing from artworks. Um, I did a lot of that in my studio courses before I did decided to be an art historian. And that has really helped, helps you slow down your looking, right? So that Correct. you spend some, a longer time looking at the work, but you're also thinking as you're looking, what choices are being made? What are these details? Um, and it can, it can still help me sometimes to draw some, some of that out. Um, but also if you're interested in you know, one area or another, maybe you're interested in bronze sculpture, yeah. it can help to take a course in bronze pouring, right? So yeah. you understand the limits of the medium and the limits of the material. If you're interested in printmaking, it can help to take um, printmaking and do printmaking, get involved right. with that and get your hands dirty. So you understand the processes mm -hmm. and doing the processes and, and using your hands and doing that labor helps you kind of get into the mindset and the ways in which artists think about their work, right? You're right. You're right. So yep. there's that. Um, I would also say it would help to take courses 
I mean, you know, for every art historian, I think they should be taking courses outside of art history, mm -hmm. whether that's history for the areas in which they're they're interested in, uh, uh, philosophy or religious studies or um, biology or mm -hmm. chem, you know, it depends on what area what area you're interested in, the type of artwork you like to do. But all these fields feed into it, right? Yeah, you're right. Um, as far as experiences, though, to go on to be a professional art historian, I'd say uh, there are opportunities for undergraduates to do um, internships or even volunteer, mm -hmm. right? Um, St. Louis Art Museum, for instance, has a good uh, summer internship program oh, um, nice. to work with the curators there, and a lot of our students have done that, and it's a great opportunity and experience for them. Mm -hmm. um, there are others beyond slam that that do that mm -hmm. uh but there are also a lot of opportunities for volunteering or working even as um sometimes it can be beneficial even to work as a a, a docent or a guard in mm -hmm. a smaller museum you know and you might think you're just standing there watching people go back and forth looking at art but it I think if you're interested in museum work, that can help start to give you a sense of the ways in which those institutions mm -hmm. work. Yeah, it's not necessarily going to be a position from which you're going to move up, right? It, it's not. It's not a foot in the door in that respect. You still have to you're get right. your education. Yeah, um, but it will give you a sense in which what those institutions prioritize, right. how they approach the presentation, how they work with their public. Mm -hmm. um, so those can be good. And it can always be a good thing to put on your CV. You know, okay. I always That's tell great. you know undergrads, anything they can build that CV up can, yeah. <laughs> can help um, in those sorts of experiences. Okay. That's great. So to just closing up uh, the topic, uh, what is the one final thought that you want to leave uh, to our listeners and students. Oh uh, boy! Like, uh, what kind of final? You have, in, in regards to art history? Yeah, art history. <laughs> there is no student success. Anything that yeah. you, as a professor. Honestly, a lot of the time, I think I have the best job in the world. Mm -hmm. I won't say That's all nice. of the time. Because yeah. there are definitely some challenges, I know. Uh, but a lot, a lot of the time, and most of the time, I really feel like I have the best job in the world. Because even though I might be wearing three or four hats, uh -huh. um, each of those hats gives me a great opportunity. You know, whether it's working with students and getting to know, you know, our our, our great students. Um, and the rewards that they give me, and sometimes they tell me things, you know, like and help me see exactly, something, and, and help correct. me see something in a new yes. way, or um, getting to do what I really love, and you know, traveling to to new countries and mm -hmm. and experiencing new cultures and learning about those new cultures and seeing how that um, plays out in their art um, and and finding new discoveries and yeah. having that aha moment, like we were talking about, yep. or even. You know, nobody loves to sit in committees, but I do yeah. like to um, kind of have a sense of how the institutions works and have a hand mm -hmm. in directing the the momentum of that university to support our students and our our faculty more. So they each have their own rewards, but um, but yeah, I mean, it's there's a lot of good things about That's being good. an art historian. <laughs> yeah, and. Uh... What advice would you give the students for their success? For their what? For their success in you know, uh, student life for their future. Oh, for their, oh, oh, oh. Um, I know that's a good, that's a hard <laughs> question. <you know? laughs> well, I mean, apart from just applying themselves to their classes and their studies, I, I guess the advice I would say is Take advantage as much as you can of everything that your university, and, and in this case Webster, has to offer. Webster's got a lot to offer. I mean, I know. you know, it's, the the international campuses are a huge plus, but it's not just that. Being at a liberal arts campus, there's a lot of different um, 
uh, things to learn and people to learn from and experts to learn from and connections connections to make. And it's a unique opportunity, I think, in a person's life, in a person's growth, unless you end up working in academia, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It's a pretty unique opportunity to have all of those things at your disposal to so easily take uh, take part in. Yeah, right. Um, so that'd probably be the advice I'd give, I guess. Yeah, I totally agree yeah. with that. You know, uh, although I ended up uh, in academia as an educator, but I still sometimes I feel that uh, I didn't get that much advantage from you know being student, whether PhD or master, mm. or even my even when I was in, back in Iran uh, from the university. Although all those universities they had much more to provide me, but I don't know. Being young is always, you know, <laughs> you can't, you are not always, you know, taking uh, everything serious unless you pass from that moment and they say, oh my God, I wish I'd do more, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's something that I really agree on that. And personally, I uh, suggest students to take advantage of what all those, you know, uh, uh, things they have, they can use, they can learn, you know, all these Bit great computers we have, yeah. uh, diverse faculty members, and all other things that they can use. I think yeah. when they graduate, they don't have access to those, yeah. those things. So right, and I know it's a challenge. I mean, it's expensive yeah. for one thing. Um, you know, tuition's expensive and uh, cost costs money. Um, so you know, there's a there's a mindset now. I think, and it's growing. And uh, I think, unfortunately, in our society, about you know, getting into a college and getting your degree for your vocation and getting out as fast as you can. And I understand the impetus behind that if you're, you know, for the amount of money it has, it costs. But I think there, it, you lose a lot if you don't slow down, pause if you have the opportunity to do so yes. and take advantage of some of the other things outside of that individual track. Mm-hmm. Um, that you can, because yeah, you're not going to have those when you get out, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's it's hard, I know. Yeah. Well, uh, I think we are done for today. It was so 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 great to talk to you. I learned a lot to from to you. You know, <laughs> personally, I learned a lot, and I think that's something I couldn't achieve without being here, talk to you personally with the, for this podcast. Uh, yeah, thank you so much, Dr. Ryan Gregg. And listeners, we uh, had Dr. Ryan Gregg today. And just stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you so much. Bye.